You're listening to Distilling Theology. I'm Blake. And I'm Justin. And this is a podcast pairing discussions of theology and distilled spirits. And dad jokes. Amen. What's wrong with you people? You're not David. I don't know why you're clapping. I'm talking about you. Fatality. You know, starting a podcast about theology and distilled spirits is whiskey business. (laughs) I said that with a straight face. This is Distilling Theology. Welcome back, both credo and pedo-baptists alike. Whether you sprinkle your babies or dunk your brothers, we are happy you're here. Uh, you know me as the aggressively Baptist bear, <laughs> and I'm here with my peaceful Presbyterian dear sweet brother, Balake. How you doing, my friend? I am not dead, hmm. which Praise is good because uh, I tested positive for COVID-19 on Christmas Eve, and I have been in quarantine since then. Although Lonely last boy. night, yeah, last night I took a fun trip to the emergency room. Uh, because I was having some some chest tightness and uh, I was just a little unnerving. So yeah. I was there for about five hours and discharged. Everything's great. No cardiovascular problems, um, no fever. So praise the Lord. I, I'm Amen. very grateful to have had a very mild case overall, though uh, I was glad to cheer up some of the staff in the emergency room with all my dad jokes. <laughs> in classic Blake fashion. Uh, yeah, the nurse was like, you know, most people aren't this happy to be here. <laughs> and I was like, no, you don't understand. I'm an extrovert and I've had to isolate by myself for 10 days. <laughs> so you're the first people I've seen in person. <laughs> so needless to say, it was quite, uh, quite entertaining. And I had said mm-hmm. somewhere uh, in the reform pub, somebody had asked some medical question and, and one of the other admins locked the thread and was like, talk to your doctor. And I'm like, dang it, Jim, I'm a theologian, not a doctor. And then I had to explain the Star Trek reference to the staff. It was it was a mess. But anyways, uh, I'm back. And uh, Justin had threatened that, uh, you know, if things didn't go so well, he and Eric were going to turn Distilling Theology into a 1689 only club. So, you know, I fought through it. Anyways. No, in all seriousness, uh, I'm 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 very thankful that uh, that, you know, your your particular um, situation wasn't as dire as it could have been. Mm. Um, you know, uh, I know some people who have not fared so well and who have Indeed. not made it, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad For that, sure. uh, I'm glad that you're doing good, that you're back with us, uh, at, uh, reasonable capacity. Yeah. I'd say <laughs> we're, we're like, and... uh, we're like the fellowship minus Sam Gamgee <laughs> right now. That's about <laughs> where I'm flying. <laughs> Samwise. Samwise uh, Ganji. Oh, man. So it's good times. But yeah, we wanted to welcome everybody. Welcome to uh, the year that 2021. <laughs> yeah. Happy New Year, folks. Happy New Year. Yeah. 2020 is now literally hindsight. Blake, I haven't seen you since last year. <laughs> oh, there it is. Man. Uh, yeah. You haven't aged today. Listen, 2021. Oh. Not... Because Jesus is king. Oh, he is one. Hey-o. Amen. Amen. There's the Jesus juke. So yeah, we're, <laughs> we're back in the saddle uh, tonight. I'm very excited. We are trying sort of a local spirit. 
kind of sort of. Um, so that'll be pretty fun. Justin, what what are we drinking tonight? Yeah, so this is Hill Rock Solera Aged Bourbon. Uh, it is bottled right here in upstate New York. Mm-hmm. Um, we could debate uh, over whether or not uh, central or upstate, uh, where that is <laughs> for our fellow New Yorkers. Uh, it is bottled at 92.6 proof or 46.3% alcohol per volume. Um, and someone that you know or have met was involved, it seems. That is true. <laughs> yeah, so this is a... The distillery was founded by a husband and wife duo, and in the process of getting things started, um, they collaborated with legendary master distiller, the late Dave Pickerel, who I've spoken about a bit on the podcast. I had the pleasure of meeting uh, a couple of years ago before he passed away. And what he brought to this project was to use something, uh, a very unique method that, to my knowledge, hadn't been used in American whiskey before, at least not to this uh, degree. So what we're tasting tonight is Hill Rock's Solera Aged Bourbon Whiskey. Now, what does that mean, you might ask? Now, Solera isn't (laughs) a reference to a type of cask. Rather, it's a reference to a method of production. According to their website, Hill Rock Solera Aged Bourbon is the first American whiskey to be aged in the centuries-old Solera method used traditionally to create exceptional sherries, ports, Madeiras, and cognacs. Uh, and they've won awards and this and that. They go on to say, and I've put this in our show notes here, that the Solera aging involves a pyramid of barrels where a small portion of whiskey is removed periodically from the lowest tier of barrels and an equal measure of new whiskey is added to the top barrels. In this way, no barrel in the Solera is ever emptied. And over time, the older whiskey in the Solera mingles with the younger whiskeys to create unmatched depth and complexity. And this whiskey is finished in 20-year-old Oloroso Sherry casks. So there's a lot going on here. You know how I feel about Sherry. I do. and She's a great you know, lady. <laughs> I actually had a, a manager named Sherry uh, when I worked as a bartender at the Olive Garden, and she was great. I, I enjoyed that uh, those times before I was at the speakeasy. But um, yeah, this, uh, this is an interesting whiskey. And also this sample was provided for us by my brother, Brad. So thank you to Bradley for uh, yeah, Brad, volunteering. My dude. Uh, for making a, a sacrifice and offering to the the cause, as it were. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. I uh, I like also I love that description of that Solera process, uh, where through th- as whiskey is being removed from the lower tiers and new whiskey is being added, like mm. it's this constant mingling. You're never um, you're never losing the essence, if you will. It's it, you could say it's the same uh, substantively, even if the uh, way it's administered is mildly different. <laughs> <laughs> That was the most that was the most niche Christian whiskey joke I've ever heard. Uh, listen, man, they're just sprinkling the whiskey out over time. <laughs> yeah, right before it fully submerges my taste buds. Oh, and oh man. It's unconditionally flavorful. Oh man, we are gonna fall off the deep end. What do you smell, my friend? Oh, wow. It smells like irresistible grace. In spirit. (laughs) Listen, in in my defense, I haven't uh, haven't seen any people except for the the doctors and nurses at the ER last night in 11 days. (laughs) And uh, Justin and I haven't hung out. So here we are. (laughs) Welcome to 2021. (laughs) 
This season of Distilling Theology. Yeah, we're in 2020 season two, guys. That's <laughs> <get> crazy. <laughs> but it's going to be one of those weird sequels where like 2022 is actually the third film in the... <laughs> We're, we're going to go back into a prequel in 2022. <laughs> Two hours later. Woo, anyways, what are you, what are you, uh, what are you smelling in there, bro? Uh, this is very unique um, for a yeah. bourbon. It doesn't smell like a bourbon. <laughs> no, I'm actually, it smells. Yeah. I'm actually transferring it from my DT Glencairn to my new Canadian Glencairn, which is wider just to see if I can get a, a slightly different. Uh, I mean, I could try like my new. Oh one. yeah. Yeah. Let's try one. something different. See if we get a slightly different aroma. Yeah, man, I I do get some of those classic bourbon notes, that van- vanilla and caramel, but there's almost a like. The, well, the vanilla is kind of muted. It is, and there's, there's like there's yeah. like mint. Hmm. Yeah, there's something very clean, and I get maybe toffee. I want to say like a nutmeg. Yeah, nutmeg, yeah. toffee, molasses, somewhere in that territory to me. There's a little bit of nuttiness to it. There's a there's a there's a hint of like fruitiness too. Yeah, which I would have to imagine has to has to be coming from that that sherry cask process. Yeah, yeah, that's some cinnamon. Mm Hmm. Well, I'm excited to. uh, Yeah, this is different. This is uh, this is different for a. And you've never had this before, right? For a bourbon, no. All right, no. I'm excited and. um, I'm glad that you didn't lose your sense of taste and smell during oh. your COVID uh, process. Amen. This would have been a very different tasting. All right. Cheers. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's try that Restart. again. Cheers. Mm. Mm-hmm. That doesn't feel like a bourbon at all. No. Oh, Honestly... Man, I'm reminded of the cognac a little bit that we had with Carl yes. and Todd. Well, not Todd. Rest in peace. It's it's definitely more. Um, mm. It's not as sweet as the as, as the cognac was, mm. but like there's red fruits, mm-hmm. clove, mint, cinnamon. There is some of that sort of molasses toffee as well and there's a little bit of astringency in the middle that is it balances it out so it doesn't become overly sweet but it's very Mm -hmm. mouth-watering at the same time that's quite tasty it's not very thick (laughs) it's it's a pretty thin it's a pretty thin bourbon yeah it's uh, got a very light mouth light mouth feel uh on their website they say that uh this finish gives the bourbon floral notes layered with fig roasted walnuts candied fruit and spicy rye Okay, yeah. I can see that. So that is very well balanced. Mm -hmm. Mm. It's a very good sipper. Like, Mm -hmm. this is not one that I'm inclined to... It's not so sweet that I just want to keep keep going with it so quickly. I want to just, like, sit with it for a while, you know? Yeah, yeah. Much like... uh, like, (laughs) I was just going to say, it's kind of like the... uh, it's kind of like the Sazerac rye where mm-hmm. it's really tasty, but it's not so sweet that you just want to down it. Um, yeah. So it's something good to sip. Um, which, by the way, I feel like that, that Sazerac is, for the price, it's a phenomenal, oh, yeah. phenomenal rye. Big fan. Big fan of that. 
That's in our that's in our lineup to taste eventually here. Yeah, boy. We will uh, get there Ooh. soon enough. It was actually the first rye I bought for myself. Ooh, was, uh, was you did well. It was great, man. My first rye was a, a bullet rye, and it's mm. it's fine. But I think the Sazerac rye to me is a better drinking rye. Sure, sure. Just overall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> good stuff. Yeah, man. Um, good stuff. This is good. This is good stuff. All so. Right. Before we uh, before we um, dive in, as it were, if you have a Valley Vision, please turn with us to page two hundred and six as we entered the new year. We shall pray the prayer called New Year. <laughs> All right, on page two hundred six, and here we go. O oh Lord, length of days does not profit me. Except the days are passed in thy presence, in thy service, to thy glory. Give me a grace that precedes, follows, guides, sustains, sanctifies, aids every hour, that I may not be one moment apart from thee, but may rely on thy spirit to supply every thought, speak in every word, direct every step, prosper every work, Build up every mote of faith and give me a desire to show forth thy praise, testify thy love, advance thy kingdom. I launch my bark on the unknown waters of this year with thee, O Father, as my harbor, thee, O Son, as my helm, thee, O Holy Spirit, filling my sails. Guide me to heaven with my loins girt, my lamp burning my ear open to thy calls, my heart full of love, my soul free. Give me thy grace to sanctify me, thy comforts to cheer, thy wisdom to teach, thy right hand to guide, thy counsel to instruct, thy law to judge, thy presence to stabilize. May thy fear be my awe, thy triumphs my joy. These prayers never get old, dude. Yeah, man. I'm realizing like eventually we're going to start looping back and we'll we'll probably end up back at the beginning. Um, maybe we'll hit up some of the prayers in Piercing Heaven and switch it up eventually. But... Oh, yeah. I have a Everyday Prayer with John Kelvin. Mm-hmm. It's another solid yeah. option. We also have Spurgeon's Morning and Evening. Oh, yeah. Um, there's so many good like a lot of great stuff, dude. Prayer options. Very good. Very, very good. Yeah, man. So 2020 was uh, a year. That happened in history. Yeah, it was. There was a, there were a lot of memes. <laughs> there was a lot of a, a very serious uh, social unrest, particularly in the United States. But there were problems all around the world. Uh, you know, global pandemic. Regardless of where people think one side or the other, uh, yeah. whether they think too much is being done or not enough. Regardless, the presence of SARS-CoV-2 uh, coming out of you know, 2019 into 2020 had an impact on the world, uh, broadly speaking. And we can't like, whether we, you know, what we think of the measures is here and or there at this moment. It's like, the fact is the presence of this thing affected the whole world, which is kind of wild. Uh, the United States economy went for a crazy world. I mean, there's just so much that went down 
And I know for me, this year was particularly hard in a couple of areas. And yet God's providence sustained me through mm. each of those challenges, even if I can't necessarily see the temporal benefits of them. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I trust what Paul writes by inspiration of the spirit in Romans eight, right? All these things work together for my eternal good, whether or not I can see the temporal good or not. And sometimes I can, but, uh, you know, oftentimes that's not the case. I don't know. What are your, some of your initial reflections on the year that was, uh, 2020? Yeah. So I think there's a couple of things that I've noticed as far as 2020 goes. Uh, number one, I think, uh, God in many ways brought, uh, our country, um, to its knees in a Mm. sense that, um, I have seen a great separation of uh, or a division amongst uh, the church, separating wheat and tares. Um, mm, mm-hmm. I think we're. I think there. It's much more visible now to see who truly knows God uh, and who uh, who don't. <laughs> mm. Those who don't. Um, we're yeah. seeing the people who are caving to the culture, who mm. are caving to um, uh, the world's requirements so that they don't have to endure any sort of persecution. Um, I think we are also seeing uh, those who are going to stand up firmly regardless of the cost um, for whatever the culture may may ask of us and say, no, we're not going to stop preaching the word of God. We're not going to stop uh, doing what God has called us to do. Um, I think in many ways uh, this year has caused uh, at least me um, and I know many others uh, to re-examine um, our lives in the sense of what are we actually holding on to mm, uh, mm-hmm. and what are we leaning into? Are we are we upset with everything because it might cost our personal peace and affluence? Ooh. Or are we upset because the culture is openly defying King Jesus, right? Mm. Um, are we angry because our way of life might change? or are we angry because this world is defying its creator Mm. um are we angry righteously are we angry selfishly uh or are we happy with the way things are going which i certainly hope is not the answer so yeah it's been a very eye-opening year i think in many ways just for me personally um with things that i that i'm dealing with my own sanctification um Mm. and it is it has brought me back uh into the fold closer than before uh in a way that um i'm reminded of my utter inability and total dependence on christ for all things good um you know i i I cling to my son at night and i i'm praising god every day for every second that i get to spend with him Mm. um you know that that for whatever reason god saw fit to bless me with another day of breath and another day with him and my family regardless of what's going on around the world uh, I have been blessed with these things, and it's in abundance. It's a it's a an abundant blessing that I have, and so yeah, twenty twenty has been very very unique, very interesting, uh, at least in my history. Um, yeah. uh, in many ways, I I I want to I want to yearn and mourn for those who have suffered loss mm. of jobs, loss of business, loss of family and friends. Um, and and of course, uh, for the for the um, great horror uh, that this COVID has been, mm-hmm. uh, 
but in 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 my own personal life it has been for me one of the best years i've had in a long mm-hmm. time i've i've spent so much time with my with my with my son with my family um mm-hmm. I, I i was i was offered a uh, a job that um i'm super blessed to have um yeah. i mean i i'm i'm overwhelmingly grateful and reminded mm-hmm. uh, regularly uh <laughs> to be to be humble for <laughs> Uh, for all the things that have been given uh, in this in this year of treachery, <laughs> mm. so yeah, man. I think for me this year, I mean, obviously, uh, growing with you and doing this podcast that we had been talking about for about two years, like twenty twenty was really the year mm-hmm. that we came into our own. Because I think was it our New Year's episode was only like episode ten or something. It was pretty early on, if I remember correctly. Um, I'm running over to check now because I forgot. <laughs> it's been so long, but it's been amazing. Yeah, so our New Year's episode was episode 10. Mm-hmm. And now we're episode 54, you know, 42 episodes later, and we're coming into 2021. And so 42 episodes we got to do together last year. Yeah. And it this has been such a tremendous blessing. The Facebook group was such a surprise blessing. Like I yeah. didn't anticipate that becoming such a wholesome and encouraging and mm-hmm. and theologically robust space where people have really good theological questions and and discussions that are respectful and responsible and it's been very encouraging to me you know in, yeah. in seeing all the other chaos that happens to see the way that people uh on the whole have have maintained themselves uh and to be encouraged by that and and uh you know gathering together on the lord's day with uh, the saints has been, I've greatly missed that the last couple of weeks being in, in quarantine. I've mm. been thankful for, you know, the fact that I can stream the service. I can at least hear the the words of the sermon and hear the singing and hear the assurance of pardon. But, um, you know, you and I've talked about this, that's not the same. And, and I yearn to go back and I'm excited to go back, uh, and be with the Lord's people on the Lord's day. Yeah. But, you know, I'm also grateful that, Hey, I, I was still able to hear the sermon and the word mm-hmm. preached, even though I wasn't in the gathered body and it wasn't church, but I was able to still receive some of the blessing, which was incredible. When I, when I was in church this morning, uh, it's funny that I've noticed the last few weeks, um, as the body's been singing together and worshiping God, uh, the whole congregation singing and, and honoring, uh, mm. honoring God. I, it's, it's, it's made my, my eyes well up mm-hmm. just hearing everybody singing together um, singing out and crying out to God for repentance and for, mm. uh, and for just worship, just in awe yeah. of him, uh, in who he is. And it's, you know, it's not, it's not a big show or anything like that. Mm. You know, that the people, people are truly just in love with, with God. And, and it's yeah. really been, uh, truly been great. It's really yeah. been great. Um, I've been super happy and super blessed that we haven't, uh, shut down our, our church and closed yeah. our doors because it's we've needed it now more than ever <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> during these sure, times. Man. And I know for myself hearing the assurance of pardon every mm-hmm. Sunday, hearing the, you know, the, the call to repentance from the scripture and this is just the way we do it in our church. And then receiving a time of private confession where we, we individually confess our sins to God and then corporate confession. Oftentimes those are adapted straight out of scripture or sometimes they're from a, a prayer from Valley of Vision. And we as the mm-hmm. congregation together confess corporately our sin before God. 
And then the pastor or the elder at the front will read from the scripture the assurance of pardon and the fact that in Christ we have been forgiven of these sins. But it's not a trite thing of what I had used to experience sometimes in, in evangelicalism where it's like, well, God, Jesus forgives you. It's like, no, there is, there is a call to repentance every week. Mm-hmm. And there is a time to confess your sins to God. And there is both the private sins, but then there's also this corporate confession where as the body of Christ, we confess that we have not honored him as we ought. And then those beautiful words of assurance, man, every week, it's like my soul just longs and yearns for that. And I've been missing that so much. So I'm excited to get back. And I mean, where I am, we're wearing masks, we're having, you know, distancing and, uh, as much as I don't love those things, I'm grateful that we're like taking those precautions in the sense that we're all still together in the building, worshiping God and mm-hmm. all the voices rising up together in the hymns uh, and the Psalms is so, so encouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just been, it's been a time, man. And uh, you know, you and I've talked about some of the stuff that we want to do going into 2021 for distilling theology. And I'm Really excited to see how some of that pans out. Some of the guests we want to have on, some of the topics we want to tackle. We're going to keep going through systematic theology. Um, We're going to get into some other types of theology. It's going to be pretty wild. Uh, Yeah, man. I'm excited. I'm excited for some of the spirits we're going to taste. Oh, man. So many good things. I'm excited for some of the the people we're going to have on. I'm excited Mm -hmm. for some of the adventures we're going to have. It's It's going to be a good year, regardless of... Look... Here's, I think there's a duality of things happening. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think persecution is coming. Uh, I think whether or not whoever ends up in office, uh, persecution is coming for the Christian. Mm-hmm. We no longer live in a society that loves Christians. We no longer live in a society that um, where it's beneficial to be a Christian socially. Um, I think we, we live in an era, uh, a culture that is very clearly post-Christian. Mm-hmm. Um and I think we need to, as the church, we need to be preparing for uh, the things that could come. We are soft. We we don't know what persecution is like here. Yeah, no, we don't. We, we don't know what it's like to be imprisoned, to be um, mm-hmm. like, okay, somebody might mock you on Facebook. Boo-hoo. Like, yeah. we have no idea. Uh, th- yeah. Think of, just all it takes is a quick look at the scriptures. <laughs> what mm-hmm. did they do to Jesus? What did they do to the apostles? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. God's wonderful plan for your life may be being crucified or being beheaded. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we need to be prepared for all those things and to do so uh, without caving and with joy. Mm. To consider it a joy to even be considered worthy to suffer yeah. for the sake of Christ, first of all. Mm. Um, but I think it's going to be a good year no matter what happens because uh, because God is good. Mm. All things work together for those who love him. Yeah. Uh, and every day that we have breath is a gift. And mm. so, um, Amen. as long as we have, uh, freedom, we'll continue to gather and do fun things. Uh, mm. and when they take our freedoms away, we'll do the same thing anyway. And they'll just be more of a cost. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting, man. I was, I was, uh, listening to some conversations and, and I recently watched the, um, Puritan documentary put out in partnership with uh, Puritan Reformed Theological Seminary out of Grand Rapids, which is wonderful. I really enjoyed it. Um, but in that they were talking about, and this has kind of circled some conversations I've had, how like post uh, Billy Graham revivalist kind of world, our emphasis in American evangelicalism is personal Bible reading, which like 
nobody wants to disparage that. And I'm not here to say anything against that. But what the speakers in the documentary were saying is if you read the Puritans and the Reformers and some of this earlier, some of our earlier theological heritage, the emphasis is much stronger. Not that there isn't an emphasis on personal reading, but it, the, it's sure. more the word preached in the context of the gathered body on the Lord's day. That is where the power is. Yeah. As far as that, not that, not that again, that there isn't anything like we should be searching the scriptures for ourselves. Absolutely. But what the Puritans and the reformers emphasized and what largely is lost in evangelicalism today is devoted prayer to the, to God. Mm. And they emphasized personal prayer in piety over personal reading. Again, not because personal reading is invaluable. It's invaluable, but because of how important prayer is, because to what you're saying, right in persecution, which the Puritans largely came out of a persecuted situation in England, that the the English Puritan period. Oh yeah. Um, they may take your pulpit, they may take your licensure, they may take your livelihood, they may take your Bible, they may throw you in prison, they may do all this, but they can't take your prayer life. They cannot remove from you your piety to the, to the God who saved you in your prayers. They may take the scriptures, they may take all these things from you materially, but what can you always hold? What can, what can they never steal is your devoted prayer to God. And so that's something for me for 2021 I want to dive deeper into union with Christ mm. as a as a theological concept, as something that is so so rich within Reformed theology, and something that I feel I've missed in large part. Um, as kind of this centerpiece, not merely like sola solus Christus in terms of salvation in Christ alone, but what does it mean to be unified union with Christ? What does that yeah. actually look like? And then within that, to devote myself to prayer in a way that I have been very convicted in my shortcomings of recently. So. Those are some thoughts I have, and I don't. I'm not big for uh, resolutions, and I'm not Jonathan Edwards, so I don't know about that to, to last year's episode. Um, but I just personally, that's something that I desire to grow mm. in, um, and because it's like I can read all the, you know, I can read Bavin, Cabraco, Calvin, Beaky, Horton, uh, Turton, Van Maastricht. I can read all these guys. I can read my scripture forward to back, but if I'm not in prayer, if I'm not seeking God daily in prayer, then what is it all for? Um, So that's something that I've been convicted of and I'm trying to pursue more ardently this year. And I'm grateful for resources like Valley of Vision to help, uh, to help to anchor that. Um, I think, yeah, yeah, no, I I think that's absolutely true. And I, and I think that, I I think that's one reason why memorizing scripture is so beneficial Mm. because, Mm when they do come and take away the scriptures from us, if it's in our minds mm. and in our hearts, uh, what can they do? Mm. I mean, they can't do anything. Um, so that's one thing. But uh, I think for me, one of the pursuits I'd like to, to aim towards um, is not doing things, uh, doing religious things in a pharisaical way, in the sense that mm. I'm not learning mm. for my own gain uh mm-hmm. pridefully you know i i'm not um pursuing i'm not pursuing good works because uh it's a get out of jail free card <laughs> but mm-hmm. because i love christ and who he is yeah. um you know we've been preaching through first john which uh, is all about uh the mark of a christian and 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 what it looks like to to truly be a person after christ's heart and mm-hmm. a man who does these things does so because he loves God 
not for any other reason other than because we have a heart that truly adores who mm-hmm. God is. And so I want to, um, again, I, I'm not necessarily making resolutions here, but I, I want to yeah. continue to seek the heart of God and, and to truly seek after mm-hmm. um, a love for him in mm-hmm. a way that um, truly radically changes uh, my life, in a, in a way that, that changes who I am, in a way that sanctifies me, in a way that uh, helps mm-hmm. me grow, um, and so that as I'm as I'm reading and learning, um, I'm doing so uh, again not for myself, but just because I want to know who God is more. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, in, in many ways, I think that kind of goes hand in hand with prayer, um, mm-hmm. and in union with with God. You know, as we as we grow uh, in sanctification, right? We're called to be one with Christ. We're called to mm-hmm. to know Him intimately, and the way we do that is by speaking with him intimately mm-hmm. you know I, I i i can never get over the fact that the god of the universe who created everything lends us his ear and listens mm-hmm. to the things that we have to say big and small mm-hmm. we have the we have the god of all of creation yeah. uh offering his ear to us uh and he listens and he answers our prayers i mean that's do we not understand the gravity of that? <laughs> we don't. Right? Even now we don't. Even in our not, even in our humility right now as we both recognize it and we can intellectually assent to it and we put our faith in it, mm. we don't understand. And there's this quote that I saw today. Uh, a friend posted this. It's Richard Sibbs from The Bruised Reed, one of the Puritans, and he says, there is more mercy in Christ than sin in us. I'm just going to read that again because... This wrecked me today, and I just, I'm still thinking about it. There is more mercy in Christ than sin in us. Mm. What, a, what a deep, deep and reality. It, and not just you in me, but in know. all. <laughs> all of us. Yeah, that, that no matter, and this isn't, again, we don't excuse sin. This, that's mm-hmm. not what we're in the business of. If you've listened to us for any length of time, you know that. <laughs> this is the last that, thing that we're That's not do. what we're doing, but we're recognizing <laughs> that in our fallen sinful state, in our broken mm-hmm. state, in this side of sanctification, or this side of justification, or, or sorry, this side of glorification, while we're being sanctified, we're going to sin, we're going to stumble. And yet, in that sin, as we repent, as we turn, there is more mercy in Christ than mm-hmm. sin in us. That his mercy so overwhelms the the depths of our sin with the depths of his mercy. That's just such a that's a truth I never tire of hearing, and I pray that I never that I never tire of hearing it going forward. Yeah. No oh, man. I hear you. I hear you, man. Oh man. It is so good. I want to get into more Puritans this year too, because <laughs> I'm just uh consistently impressed by the the writing and and often the pithiness that uh, James LaBelle talked about when I was talking to him about the Puritans, like they, they have these little tightly packaged phrases because they were preaching and they needed people to be able to, to, to stick these things in their mind. And uh, just phrases like that are so tight and quick, or like, I think it was Owen's phrase uh, that James LaBelle referenced. Maybe it wasn't Owen, but it was the, the only hope for this body of death is the death of this body. Um, like just things like that where yeah. they just turn turn the phrase. They never <laughs> they don't leave the text of the scripture to go over and show us a, a an analogy. They keep us in the framework of the word of God uh, sure. and and focus there. And it's just so 
enriching spiritually. It's not, I don't read the Puritans or, or Calvin or uh, Bavink or any of these guys because I think they're really smart and I want to sound really smart. It's because I've been spiritually enriched. They have, these men who've gone before mm. us, fallen as they have been, in their reflections upon the Savior, have written down some of the most beautiful thoughts about the God that we serve mm-hmm. and have helped me to better understand the things that God has said in his word about himself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and about us. Well, that, yeah, that's just it. I mean, we're not, we're, we're reading these guys. We, 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 we look at these uh, men of old, right? Um, mm-hmm. Only through the lens insofar as they reflect Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Paul says, imitate me only as I imitate Christ. Uh, he obviously didn't do so perfectly. He was a sinner like the rest of us. Um, so are the rest of these men. But that doesn't mean that they didn't in some ways and sometimes in, imitate Christ in their writings and in their in their uh, teachings. Um, and so, you know, many people throughout history have been gifted with the ability to uh, write or exposit uh, text um, in, in ways that men nowadays just seem incapable of doing. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, and and we get to benefit from that. We get to benefit uh, from from their wisdom and from their knowledge and from their love of uh, love of God and love of man. Dude, as uh, speaking of people that are smarter than us that we read, I was uh, <laughs> so some somehow in the last two weeks, I ended up in a a repeating discussion with different groups of friends that kind of overlapped and interconnected about the doctrine of divine impassibility. Mm-hmm. Um, which is stated in both of our confessions, mm-hmm. right? In our attributes of God passage and impassibility to paraphrase basically is the doctrine that God does not have emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you say this, people tend to become very emotional when you say that God doesn't have emotions because what they hear, what is often heard uh, even among Calvinistic people, even among people in confessional churches is they hear you saying, God doesn't care about me. God doesn't mm-hmm. uh, relate to me in a sure. meaningful way. And I would definitely commend as I've done before, Dr. James Dolezal's little book, all that is in God, mm. um, because he touches on impassibility a little bit as he's going through classical Christian theism. But one of my friends who's very robust, theologically minded, he's very Ventilian. He reads a lot of, a lot of Ventil and Bobbing. He said, you can you dig into this a little bit for me. So I pulled up a couple things from Herman Bobbing, uh, in the wonderful works of God in his chapter on the being of God. And I just wanted to read these because they were such an encouragement to me as I reflect on this doctrine. Like, what are we saying? Uh, why is it that Christians for about 1800 to 1900 years, give or take, all insisted that God was impassable? <laughs> right. And it's only in this last like 100 <laughs> to 200 years anachronistically that we're like, no, no, God has emotions. God feels, you know, he, he has all these feelings or he may, okay, they're not like human feelings, but he has feelings. Well, here's something Bob Inc talks about and this is uh page 118 in the wonderful works of god talking of god's first of god's uh incommunicable attributes Mm -hmm. and then of his communicable attributes that is there are attributes of god such as his omniscience his eternality his omnipresence his omnipotence that they simply can't be communicated to creatures like those are purely divine attributes there is no analog in creaturely existence right i even in eternity I will not experience the attribute of self-existence. Sure. <laughs> like that's just yeah. something that, that can't be communicated to the creature. Yeah. <laughs> However, God does have communicable attributes. You would say things like his love, his holiness, mm-hmm. his justice, 
though we don't have them perfectly and in the way that God has within himself, they are things that can be added to us supernaturally in a way, in an analogous way. We go back to our theology proper episodes. I think it's like 19, 20, and 21. Uh, we touch on some of this. But he says, this insistence on the first group of attributes that is incommunicable saves us from polytheism and pantheism. And the insistence on the second group, that is the communicable, protects us against deism and, and atheism. So what's being said is the incommunicable attributes of God protect us from these statements that God is in everything and God is everything or there's mm-hmm. many gods or uh, any of these types of things that would diminish the uniqueness and the the transcendence of God. That is his difference above and, and separated from the world, his otherness, his holiness, if you will, to borrow from Sproul, though I think holiness, well, that's a whole different discussion. Um And then the second group of attributes, his communicable attributes prevent us from making the opposite error of deism or or worse, atheism, where God is so distant and removed and so transcendent that we lose his eminence or that means by which God is really present and close to his created beings and is and carefully invested in the world and the people herein. Speaking of divine impassibility, if we want to touch on the subject, I think a good uh, answer to this comes from actually from J.I. Packer, um, whom I love again. Uh, but in his, um, there's an article, what do you mean when you say God, um, that was published, I think in 1986. Mm. Um, but he says this, the concept of God as impassable represents no single biblical term, but Mm. was introduced into Christian theology in the second century. So what is it supposed to mean? The answer is not impassivity, unconcern, Mm. or the impersonal detachment in the face of creation. Hmm. Not inability or unwillingness to empathize with human pain, grief, either. It means simply that God's experiences do not come upon him as ours come upon us. His foreknown, willed, chosen by himself, and are not involuntary, surprised forces Hmm. uh, on him from outside, apart from his own decision, in the way that ours regularly are. The understanding was hinted at earlier, but it is spelled out here because it is so important and so often missed. Let us be clear, a totally impassive God would be a horror and not the God of cavalry at all. He might be he might belong in Islam, but he has no place in Christianity. If therefore we can learn to think of the chosenness of God's grief and pain as the essence of his impassibility, so called, we will do well. Mm. So I, I, I love the way he describes that God's um dispositions toward things mm-hmm. are things that he has chosen in and of himself, in his own infinite wisdom and um, power and uh, knowledge that he has chosen to have dispositions towards things himself. Mm. It's not as though things are coming upon him and changing his, uh, changing his, his mind or changing his feelings. You know, when God, when, when God regretted making mankind, it wasn't as though uh, mankind caused God to have regret Right. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, God was uh, in and of himself expressing his disposition towards the nature of who man had become. Everyone was so evil and wicked, and God's grief towards that was so great, as chosen by himself to be grief towards sin, um, that he expressed that in the way of uh, regret, as as we understand it. Um sure. So, I actually yeah. I actually take a little bit of exception from Packer there because I know sure. I, I generally agree with what he's saying, but I think mm-hmm. I would parse it out a little bit differently because I'm in a well also coming from a different tradition, right? And he mm-hmm. um 
one distinction I would make is I wouldn't even say so far as as he does that God necessarily experiences these emotive states. One analogy I heard, which breaks down a little bit because as all analogies do, sure, sure, um, sure. even as the analogous language that we're using anthropomorphically to describe God breaks down. Right. But yeah, um, you think about the sun, right? What mm-hmm. do we call like dusk when it gets dark out? We say it's sunset. Well, we know that like the earth is rotating. And the sun's not flying around the earth. The earth is rotating. So when it gets dark out, it's not as though the sun has turned its back on earth. Earth has turned away from the sun. Likewise, the Bible uses all kinds of anthropomorphic or human attributes applied to God to explain Mm -hmm. to us true things about God. That, uh, To quote Van Til, we can be fearlessly anthropomorphic where the Bible is. You know, and in preaching, yeah, God hates hands that shed blood. He hates a tongue that lies, right? Like we can fearlessly stand by those biblical statements without qualification. When we start talking in more technical theology is where impassibility comes up, right? And what I would distinguish there is in those terms, yeah, we can still say sunrise and sunset because from our uh, earthbound perspective, yeah, the sun is rising, the sun is setting. But what's really happening, right? We know the earth is rotating. The sun is a stationary point, relatively speaking, right? And so God is always all of his attributes, right? He's always Mm -hmm. wrathful towards sin. He's always just. He's always holy. He's always loving. He's always merciful. Mm-hmm. But what happens, right? Particularly in the Old Testament, you see this, you see this cycle, sunrise and sunset, right? Uh, the people are obedient. They're following the the covenant commands that they agreed to, that God had had prescribed to them. And when they're following, they receive the blessings of his countenance as he promised to be because they're walking in accordance with his ways. And when they turn away from that, they experience the anger, the wrath, the justice of God because now they are no longer walking in his blessedness. They have turned their face away from him and mm-hmm. are now recipients of his justice. It's not as though his justice ceased to be there or his yeah, wrath yeah, towards yeah. sin ceased to be there. It's simply that well, as they had changed in orientation to him. Yeah. I, I don't even think Packer would disagree with you there. Uh, oh, no, I don't think so in, either. Yeah, in, just in the sense that um, I, I would agree. I, I would say that he doesn't, even though he may be experiencing grief, uh, I wouldn't say he's necessarily experiencing grief in the way we experience it, right? He would be experiencing it in a holy and perfect uh, way <laughs> um, insofar as that grief would describe his disposition towards a particular thing. Um, sure. You know, again, it's anthropomorphic, <laughs> right? It it right. only uh, allows us to have a, a glimpse or a, a small, minute uh, understanding of what um, God's determined feelings are towards a particular thing. Yeah. I have one other quote here from Bobbing. It's a little bit longer. It's from page 121, but it's so good. Um, So he starts off by saying that the two attributes, the two types of attributes incommunicable and communicable aren't in conflict with each other. Right. Consider, for example, the love of God. Bobbing writes, we would not be permitted to speak of it, nor could we speak of it. If the attribute, which men call love were not, in a sense, an impression or an ectype, image or likeness of the love that is present in God. There should be a certain correspondence between the divine and the human love, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or else all of our thinking and speaking of the love of God were a hollow sound. But this similarity is by no means an identity. The purest and strongest love among men is but a very weak reflection of the love which is in God. And that teaches us to understand the incommunicable attributes. From them, we learn that in God, love far transcends the love of creatures. For the love of God is independent, unchangeable, simple, 
eternal, and omnipresent. Mm. It does not depend on us, nor is aroused by us, but flows free and pure from the depths of the divine being. It knows no variation, neither falls nor rises, appears nor disappears, and there is not even the shadow of turning about it. It is not merely a property of the divine being alongside of other properties or attributes, and it never gets into conflict with these others, but it also coincides with the divine being himself. God is love, he himself, wholly and perfectly, and with his whole being. This love is not subject to time and space, but stands above it and comes down out of eternity into the hearts of the children of God. Such a love is absolutely reliable. Our souls can rest in it in every need, including death itself. And if such a God of love be for us, then who can be against us? <laughs> so there's a lot in that passage, but why I talked about that with impassibility is this idea that God's love, like people talk about impassibility and they view God as this, um, if God doesn't have emotions, then then he's cold and you, you're basically giving him less less life than a rock. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not what we're saying at all. No, no, yeah. no. What we're saying is yeah. God in and of himself possesses the fullness of love, the fullness of peace, the fullness of joy, the fullness of mercy and grace and abundance to the extent that everything about him overflows into his creation to the extent that the God of eternity can step into time, <laughs> that the person of the son can step into time in particular, right? And bear this lo- this load because of love, because his love is unshakable, because it is it is essential or ontologically part of who he is. It is, it is who he is, right? The Bible tells us God is love, and so far from saying, "Well, God doesn't have emotions, therefore, you know, his love is really cold and distant." No, no, no. God's love is all the more reassuring and steady because yeah. it is not subject to variation, because oh, it is. Yeah. It is full and completed within himself and nothing can add or subtract to that love. And so when we are submitted to him, we are participating in and receiving that love. And when we turn away, it's not as though his love ceases to be there. Right. Right. What does he say? Turn to me and be saved. Right. Come back. Come back. Because in his arms, there is fullness of love. And that's the same of all his attributes. He is all those things all the time mm-hmm. and perfectly so. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that doctrine far from being uh, turning God into an abstract concept or a distant thing has made the persons of God that much more real and personal and um, trustworthy because the God who is there has all the fullness within himself and lacks nothing and will never change and will never cease to be who he is. Anyways, yeah. I whew, yeah. we'll have to do another episode on those attributes because I get so hyped. We should have someone on like uh, Dr. Sam Renahan again to talk about it. <laughs> oh, uh, you're right. He wrote a book about it. No, I, I, <laughs> I, I love what you're saying. I love what Bobbing's saying um, in describing that particular attribute. I think that's a wonderful, um, a wonderful way of putting it. He says in his Reform Dogmatics, uh, those who predicate any change whatsoever of God, whether respect to his essence or knowledge or will, diminish all his attributes. Right, mm. just like you were saying, turning him into a, a rock. Right, uh, independence, simplicity, eternity, omniscience, omnipotence. This robs God of His divine nature, and religion of its firm foundation. Like you said, so beautiful stuff. Beautiful stuff. So good, man. Well, thanks for it. hanging out. Yeah, dude, it was good. Uh, we are going to be taking a break 
next week, but we'll be back uh, on eleven nineteen. We just want to take a little bit of time, make a make a plan for the next couple of months. We want to probably do another live episode sometime, um, have some more guests, just get a, a better layout plan our spirits. Uh, but for that week, we're going to be tasting from Compass Box, which is a blended yeah, scotch. We- we'll be tasting their Spaniard, so that'll be fun. And uh, Justin, how can people get in touch with us? They can't. Oh, oh of course they can't. Uh, if you check us out uh, on social media, that's one great way. Uh, if you check us out on Facebook, you can join us uh, in our Facebook group, Distilling Theology, where you can hang out with us, talk, share memes, share concerns, prayer requests, theological mm. questions, uh, whiskey mm. questions, whatever. You know, we're there. It's a it's a family. Mm. It's a family, and we invite you to be a part of it. Um, also, check us out on Instagram at Distilling Theology. If you want some of the most beautiful pictures of books and whiskey in your feed, you will join us there. And... Um, yeah, we'll be happy to have you. Also, you can check us out at distillingtheology.com. Mm. Uh, we do have a Twitter, but good luck with that. We also have... <laughs> um, we also have a YouTube channel. Again, not a whole lot there, but you'll enjoy it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so so check us out. Check us out on social media. We also have a Facebook page like that page. Uh, you'll get some updates uh, when the podcast... Uh, drops an episode, and so on and so forth. Um, also, uh, you can check us out at shopdistillingtheology.com. Ooh. What's that? We have a store. In fact, we do. <laughs> you can get mugs. Uh, we have several different mugs there. You can get, and I'm not talking about our faces. Oh. I mean, we have those, but th- those aren't for sale. <laughs> uh, you can also check out, if you're on Patreon, you can see these sweet hoodies we're wearing right now. We have mm. hoodies. We have shirts. Uh, we have blankets we have beanies we have lots of good stuff there check us out shop distillingtheology.com uh blake uh what else um what else what else do you have for us <laughs> well as always thankfully we are still proud members of the society of reformed podcasters this is a network of doctrinally sound podcasts from a reformed perspective the roll call includes Assurance of Pardon, The Bobcast, Christ in Context, Distilling Theology, Fast God Stuff, Five Points Church Planting Podcast, Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude, Reformed Brotherhood, Reformed Pilgrims, Seeker Start, Sippin' on Theology, and the Steady Anchor Podcast. You can subscribe to the Mega Feed and get all these shows, the entire back catalog uh, of all of these podcasts at reformedpodcasts.com. Now, Justin, as always, if people want to get early releases, if they want to see these episodes before anyone else, if they want to get exclusive bonus content, where should they head? Uh, well, Blake's address is no. <laughs> uh, head on over to patreon.com slash distilling theology uh, for four ninety nine a month, less than the cup of an overpriced Starbucks coffee that you don't actually need because oh, it's not really great for your health, let's be honest. Uh, and it's a new year, you know, so... Uh, let's turn over a new leaf and uh, head over to Patreon. <laughs> and uh, and you, yeah, four ninety nine a month. You'll get, uh, like Blake said, you'll get early releases. You'll get video content, unedited, raw, a week early. Um, good stuff, fun times. Uh, there will be extended content there for you, bonus content. If you join us at fourteen ninety nine a month, uh, you will get after three months a really sweet patron only mug. Uh, there will probably be some other really cool stuff in the pipeline for you if you join us there. Um, and we have some sweet video content coming up for you 
uh, for those folks as well. Mm-hmm. So, as it were, Blake, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. Soli Deo Gloria. First episode of 2021! What? <laughs> this is the way. Yeah, that was good. That went from like a, a totally unplanned episode to an episode on New Year's resolutions and divine impassibility. <laughs> you know, normal, <laughs> casual distilling theology. 